Masechet Nedarim, Daf Yod Aleph. We're starting on the Mishnah at the bottom of the previous Daf. Uh, Mishnah is going to be talking about some interesting substitute words. Instead of saying that this uh, food that um, I eat from you will be like a korban, that's a very clear statement saying that it will be prohibited to me like a korban. Uh, someone says other language, like Haomer Lacholin Shelo Ochalecha, La Kasher, Vela Dechi. If someone says, the food that I will eat of yours should be lachulin. We're interpreting lachulin not as one word, which would be lehacholin, to the cholin. That wouldn't make any sense. But rather, we're going to parse it as if the person meant two words, la. Cholin, not cholin. Uh, the word lo in Hebrew means not, but in, uh, in Aramaic it's la. So it would be really the same pronunciation if someone says la cholin, to mean to the cholin or not cholin. And so therefore we interpreted it to mean not cholin. So, so the full sentence is that which I eat from you will be not cholin. Cholin means permitted meat, kosher, regular meat. So if I say it's not, that means it's not kosher. Whatever I eat from you will be not kosher. If a person says that, it doesn't make the food not kosher. The food's either kosher or not kosher. It's not going to affect it. Uh, it's not going to affect its uh, its uh, OU label. Rather, it means I'm taking a vow. It will be prohibited to me like something that is not cholin. What's not cholin? And may, uh, a korban is not cholin. So that's the same as saying, whatever I eat from you will be a korban, is equivalent to whatever I eat from you will be the opposite of cholin, which is a korban. So that works. Or if he says, la, la kasher, not kosher, that also, even though the opposite of not kosher, opposite of kosher is not kosher, like whatever, pig or meat and milk, it's not the opposite is not a korban. Nevertheless, that also makes a vow, not kosher, meaning that I am prohibited to eat it. So whatever I eat from you, I will be prohibited to. Or if he says, la dechi, dechi is Aramaic for pure. So I'm considering it like a korban, that is not pure, so that's something that's prohibited to eat. Or if he says tahar or tameh, now even though these are two opposite words, what he has in mind is he's referring to a korban. A korban that's tahar, one cannot eat, or korban that's tameh, also one cannot eat. One that's tahar can be eaten after the sprinkling of the blood by kohanim or shelamim by other people, but assuming it's before the sprinkling of the blood, a korban that's tahar still cannot be eaten. So we assume that that's what he has in mind. Whatever I eat from you, lecha, will be like a korban tahor, or like a korban tameh, not allowed, or like notad or pigul. Notad is something that was left over, a korban, um, that's left over after the cutoff time. Different korbanot you can eat for a day, or in a night, or two days, but that's it. If it's left over after that cutoff time, it's prohibited to be in, has to be burnt. Pigul is if someone has in mind with a kohen when he's had, when preparing it has wrong intention in mind. He has in mind that he's going to eat it after uh, at the wrong time after the cutoff. Um, that person who eats that will get karet. So all these are prohibited. Um, the the notad and pigul um, that that notad could be even after the sprinkling of the blood, but it's still prohibited. So all these are things that are prohibited. Someone says. Anything I eat from you will be like any of these items that, in fact, is prohibited. Okay, more examples. Ke imra 
כדירים, כעשים, כאישים, כמזבח, כהיכל, כירושלים, נדר באחד מכל משמשי המזבח, אף על פי שלא הזכיר קורבן, הרי זה נדר, נדר בקורבן. Someone says, like, like the lamb. doesn't mean any lamb. He, we assume he means like a lamb that is designated for, for an offering. Or like the pens that they used to keep the animals in uh, that they are donating and going to be used for a korban. Or if he says like the wood, this is the wood that they would place on the mizbeach. Or like the fires of the mizbeach. Or like the mizbeach itself. Or he says like the sanctuary. All these things are prohibited. You cannot derive any personal benefit. from any of these items. And so if he says, anything that I eat from you will be like the Hechal, then that is prohibited as, as a language of a vow. If he says, like Jerusalem, Jerusalem is a holy city. Um, it, was, it was built with public funds, with holy funds, and therefore that also uh, will create a vow. Anyone who makes a vow in any, uh, in, uh, or with uh, uh, referring to any of the vessels used on Mizbeach, different bowls and forks that were dedicated to Korban, um, th- those are prohibited. You can't take one of those cups and just take a drink out of it. Um, so even though he didn't mention Korban, this is as if he made a vow and said, whatever I eat from you will be like a Korban. These are all equivalent substitute terms. All that is Tanakama. Rabbi Yudah Omer Yerushalayim lo amar kelum. It looks like Rabbi Yudah is arguing uh, with Tanakama, and he would agree with all the rest of the items except for Jerusalem. He, if he says this is prohibited to, to me like Jerusalem, he didn't say anything because Yerushalayim Um, actually is you can the the stones and 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 the dirt of Jerusalem although it's a holy place in general is not prohibited to use it's not like the Mizbeach or the Hechal that you cannot use that you cannot use them you can't lean on them but a regular stone in Jerusalem you can sit on it you can You can uh, take it home, and so that, that would not be a problem. So the Biudah disagrees with Yerushalayim. That seems to be the Peshat, a simple reading of the Mishnah. The Gemara is going to offer that reading, but also a different reading, that the Biudah's argument is with Ke Yerushalayim versus Yerushalayim. The Biudah would ag- actually be in agreement with Hanakama. If he says this is prohibited like Yerushalayim, then it makes a prohibition. But if he doesn't say like Yerushalayim, he just says Yerushalayim without the Ke, then he, does, he has not said anything because that's too vague um, to, of, a, of a connection. All right, so that's uh, another reading that we will see in a minute. Okay, Savruha, my la cholin, la lecholin leheve, ela korban. So we are understanding, in the, in the Mishnah, we're understanding that, that a person who says la cholin, he doesn't mean leha cholin, to the cholin. Uh, but rather, he means it as two words, this will not be chulin. If what I eat from you is not chulin, then that means I'm making it a korban. So we see from, even though he didn't say a, a positive statement that I am making this prohibited, from the negative, we can infer the positive, right? If this uh, loaf here is, if I'm saying it's not chulin, it's not regular uh, non-sacred food, then I'm saying that I'm implying that Uh, it is korban, and therefore it is prohibited. Okay, so mani matnitin, who is the author of this Mishnah? It can't be Rabi Meir, because in general, Rabi Meir does not follow the principle 
that from a negative you can infer a positive. Ditanan, how do we know that he does that Rabbi Meir says that? Rabbi Meir Omer We know this from the laws of how to make a condition. If you want to write a condition in a in a contract or say a condition, you have to say it like that of Bnei Gad and Bnei Reuven. In the Torah, when Gad and Reuven come to Moshe, and they say, listen, we want to settle outside uh, the borders of Israel on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, can we do that? Moshe, right after deliberation, comes back and says, uh, you have a condition. If you come into the land and fight with us, and help us conquer the land, then you can go back and settle the land outside. But, that's the positive, if you do not come into the land and help us battle and conquer the land, then you will not be able to go and settle on the other side of the land. That's how it says in the Torah, both the positive and the negative. Rabbi Meir learns from that a prototype. Every condition that you say has to be in the positive and said in the negative. If you say it only in the negative, you cannot infer the positive. If you say only positive, you cannot infer, infer the negative either. Okay, so since he says that there, it's true for all for languages of vows as well. According to the Bimeir, if someone says this bread here is going to be not hulin, then it just means it's not hulin. It, we cannot infer the positive that it is korban, and therefore, according to the Bimeir, it would be permitted. So he cannot be the author of this Mishnah, because this Mishnah says, La hulin makes a valid vow. Ella Rabbi he rather must be Rabbi uh, We don't quote it here, but there is a Gemara in uh, Gitin 46b that does have uh, the opinion of Rabbi against Rabbi Meir. That's in a different uh, context of someone who divorces his wife because she's an Ailonit. And uh, and uh, there, the Biuda, even if he doesn't make a double va- a double language uh, of a yes or no, the Biuda considers it uh, a valid um, a valid condition, even only one way. So we learn from there that the Biuda generally uh, will infer a positive from a negative. So it must be that this is uh, this Gemara, this Mishnah is the opinion of the Biuda, right? Hold on, Emma Sefa. In our Mishnah, Rabbi Yudah disagrees at the end and says, if you said, you know, this, uh, whatever I eat from you will be Yerushalayim, he has not said anything. So you see Rabbi Yudah disagrees with Tanakama, since that the Sefa is Rabbi Yudah, the rest of the Mishnah is not Rabbi Yudah. It makes sense, so it can't be Rabbi Yudah either. We answer, In fact, we can read the Mishnah as being entirely the opinion of Rabbi Huda. And so Rabbi Huda is saying everything, and then we just know it at the end, how come all these things are prohibited? Because it's based on Rabbi Huda's opinion. Everything is Rabbi Huda's opinion, because he says, if you say, Yerushalayim, you haven't said anything. But Rabbi Yudah would agree that if you said Yerushalayim, then that is a valid vow. So in fact, it's not a machloket between Tanakh and Rabbi Yudah. It is all Rabbi Yudah. And the last part is uh, simply quoting a, uh, an explicit statement of Rabbi Yudah explaining that Yerushalayim would be the exception. But in the other cases, Ke, as long as it said Ke regarding these, this set of, uh, of statements, that would be fine. Note that according to this explanation, you don't have to say 
ke tame or ke notad. These the first set of of uh, of um, uh, of uh, uh, substitutes here are uh, m much more explicit because you're actually referring to something that is a korban that is notad or something like that. But these, which are not actually korbanot, but just things that are uh, prohibited in relation to korbanot, just the, the lamb. Here you have to, you would have to say the word ke, according to this explanation of Rabbi Yehuda. So there we go. The the um, our Mishnah is in fact the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. All of it. Okay. So now, according to this explanation, the whole Mishnah is the opinion of Biuda. So according to Biuda, if you said Yerushalayim, it's there's no vow. But if you said Ke Yerushalayim, then there is a vow. Is that true? We have another Braita, it's kind of parallel to the Mishnah that says, And this Braita, the Biuda says, even if you say like Yerushalayim, there's, it's like you said nothing. There's no vow because you have to say make something uh, a vow about something that is sacrificed in in Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem itself is not uh, holy like a korban. You have to say something that is associated with the Bet Hamikdash, with something with a sacrifice. Things that happen in as true in Jerusalem, but not just the city itself. You see, this Badaita seems to. Uh, accord with the Peshat of the Mishnah. It doesn't matter if you say Ke or not Ke, Yerushalayim by itself does, is not holy in the same way that a Korban or things associated with a Korban are holy. Um, so this would uh, seem to go against uh, that, that, uh, that interpretation that the entire Mishnah is a Biuda. But we answer, In fact, our entire Mishnah is a Biuda. And there are two Tanaim, there are two versions of tradents that, uh, that explain the Biudad or, or uh, trans, transmit the opinion of the Biudad differently. So in this Baraita, there, this, this, this follows one interpretation of the Biudah that Yerushalayim, Ki Yerushalayim, none of that makes a vow because Yerushalayim does not have the uh, intrinsic holiness like a Korban, whereas the other uh, transmitter, the other interpretation of Rabbi Yudah is the one in our Mishnah. According to that, Rabbi Yudah would permit if you said just Yudushalayim, but would prohibit if you said Ke Yudushalayim, that would make an, um, a binding vow. And so we'll stick with that interpretation so that our entire Mishnah will be the opinion of Rabbi Yudah, because otherwise we'll be stuck, because we know it can't be Rabbi Meir, so we need it to be Rabbi Yudah. All right, that's the discussion of the Mishnah. Now we're going to bring in a Baraita that is going to clarify with a few more cases. Tanya. Chulin ha-chulin ka-chulin ben she-ochal lecha ben she-lo-ochal lecha mutar. If someone said uh, either any of these three words, notice they're not la-chulin, but just chulin, ha-chulin, ka-chulin, right? Not um, non-sacred or the non-sacred or like the non-sacred. Whether we attach that to the following two fra two phrases that I will eat from you or that I won't eat from you, all these things are permitted because uh, we uh, mix and match them. If he says whatever I eat from you will be chulin, uh, will be permitted. Well, then that's permitted, right? Anything he eats is permitted, so surely that's permitted. Um, and even if he says that which I will not eat from you is permitted, okay, that's so fine. That's permitted. We're going to see for in a second here that this implies that this is in fact Rabbi Meir, because theoretically you could infer that if I if I say that which I do not eat from you is permitted, 
then the implication is that which I will eat from you is not permitted. Okay, so, but uh, we don't make that inference from negative to positive, so all these cases are permitted. On the other hand, if I say, uh, is completely different from because we interpret to mean that uh, the, the, to mean not chulin as two words, although theoretically he may he, a person might might mean um, to the to the chulin leha chulin, um, but no, we assume that he, he he may have meant not chulin that I will eat from you. That's no good because then he's saying whatever I eat from you will not be chulin, meaning it'll be like a korban that is surely prohibited. If he said la chulin lo mutar, however, if he says what I will not eat from you will not be chulin then it's permitted because I, I only said whatever I don't eat from you will be prohibited that infers that whatever I do eat from you will be permitted that's the end of the Braita. Now we're going to analyze who is the author of this Braita. The first half seems to be uh, of the opinion of Rabbi Meir because he does not infer from a negative a positive. And we can see that from this statement here. If someone says, whatever I do not eat from you will be chulin, will be permitted. Um, so, if we would infer a negative from a, pos- a negative, uh, a positive from a negative, then we would imply we would infer as follows: Whatever I don't eat from you will be permitted. We can infer that whatever I do eat from you will be prohibited. But we don't make that inference because this is mutar. Therefore, Rabbi Yuda, if it was an opinion of Rabbi Yuda, he would say prohib- permit- prohibited here because he would make the inference. So, therefore, this Badaita, the first half, must be Rabbi Meir. So far, so good. However, this last phrase, if he says, what I do not from you will be not permitted. Um, okay, well, that by itself isn't saying much, and that's, that's permitted, because what I don't eat from you will be prohibited. Okay, fine. What I do eat from you may still be permitted. Here's the problem. If we interpret la korban as la korban, not a korban, so we have a statement here, what I will not eat from you will not be a korban, meaning what I will, what I don't eat from you will be permitted. And the Bimeir says, osed, that means, it sounds like he's inferring, what I do not eat from you will be permitted, that means what I do eat from you will be prohibited. So it sounds like the Bimeir is inferring a positive from a negative. And we asked over there, um, but, Bimeir does not have the principle of from a negative we infer a positive. So how come in that Mishnah over there, he assumes that it's prohibited? Regarding that Mishnah explained, What we do is we parse it into two phrases. Um, this will be a korban. We're not saying now la, not korban, but rather yes korban. Uh, this will be a korban. Therefore, I will not eat. He's not saying that which I will not eat from you will be um, not a korban. Uh, rather, he's saying, I will not eat from you. Because it's like a korban. So the Biaba explained that we separate into separate it into two phrases. And that's why, according to the Bimeir, 
it does effect, effectuate a vow. All right, according to the Biabah's methodology that you separate uh, the, the phrase into two, that in this phrase too, he, what he means is, um, this should not be chulin, therefore I will not eat from you. So if we parse it that way, then this phrase would actually make a prohibition. But that would be a problem because the Baraita said, La cholin lo chalecha mutar is permitted. But if this is, if the, if this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir, and so we know the Beresha has to be Rabbi Meir, and so if the Sefa is also Rabbi Meir, and we accept the explanation of Rabbi Abba for the next Mishnah, which is a, a, a similar phrase, then we'll have to parse this as natulin, meaning a korban, is prohibited. And because it's prohibited, next phrase, lo chalecha, I will not eat from you. So this should be pro- prohibited, according to Rabbi Meir. So how could um, this, uh, the sefa, be the opinion of Rabbi Meir? And the answer is, The author of this paraita is someone else. It's not Rabbi Meir. And he happens to agree with Rabbi Meir in one aspect, but disagree in another aspect. On the one hand, he agrees that with Rabbi Meir on, in this one principle that you cannot derive a positive from a negative. And that explains the resha of the Baraita. But he also disagrees uh, with him regarding the phrase in the next Mishnah, where if he says, he does not agree with that. And so he would not um, agree with the that you uh, have to parse something into two. And so therefore the Tana, whoever it is, we don't name the person, yes, agrees that if you say, what I don't need from you will be per- permitted, we're not going to derive a positive from that negative, and therefore it's permitted. Whereas in this phrase, he's not going to parse it like Rabbi Meir would parse it, but rather he's going to keep it... Uh, um, the way it is, uh, whatever I do not eat from you will be prohibited. So that just makes a prohibition on whatever he's not eating, but leaves open a permission on whatever he will eat, and that's why it is permitted. So that explains the Baraita. All right, that's all one way of explaining the Baraita, but we have another one. In order to explain the, the contradiction between this Baraita and the Mishnah, Rav says, well, you have to look at the vocalization, right? They didn't have vocalization. This was all, all uh, oral. Um, but in the oral tradition, uh, you have to readjust how you pronounce it. Uh, so in this Baraita, although we were reading it before, Lachulin Lo'ochalecha, he says, no, no, read this, Lechulin Lo'ochalecha. So that takes out the negative. And in that case, it would be, whatever I do not eat from you will be permitted. And now this is it all the bimeir uh, according to Rav Asher. We can explain the whole thing according to bimeir, and he does not infer a positive from a negative. So just because he said, "I will whatever I do not eat from you will be permitted," we are not going to infer that that which I do eat is not permitted. So we just leave it as is, and that is permitted. So that's totally fine. Whereas um, down here, when we made this inference from the Mishnah over there, because if he says la korban lo and we explain 
explained, Rabbi Abba explained that that means not la uh, korban. This is not a korban. Uh, therefore, I will not eat from you. So that in that phrase, we separated it, and that's prohibited. And we asked about that. Wait a second. If you say la cholin, so lo echal echad of Hashem saying over here we're saying la, not lit like in the Braita, But in fact, if you said not cholin, why would I will not eat from you? So then you're saying this is not cholin. And therefore, I will not eat from you. So there, over there, you do separate into two phrases, as Rabbi Abba said, because it's la cholin, lo chalecha. But if you say le cholin, which is the phrase here, lo chalecha, then you don't separate into two phrases, and then it means that it's permitted. So that's why, that's the difference between the two. Um, uh, one is a le, and one is a la, and that makes all the difference between a positive and a negative. It turns it completely opposite. Uh, therefore, if we read it that way, if you say la cholin, then that means not cholin. This is a korban, that which I will eat from you. Uh, so in that case, that in fact does make a prohibition that explains the Mishnah and the inference from the Mishnah that we made over there. So there you go, that's Rav Asher. Okay, one final thought that we can uh, learn from this is, how, we wonder, how do they pronounce Hebrew um, back in the times of the Talmud? We have no no audio recordings of it, so it's hard to know. Did they pronounce like Ashkenazim? Did they pronounce like Sepharadim? Uh, did they pronounce like Yemenites? Well, over here we see that uh, they seem to not distinguish between a Patach and Kamatz. Uh, because if you say la la cholin, that would be with a kames, and uh, they for them it sounded the same as la cholin, meaning uh, one word le ha cholin. That would be with a patah. And so, therefore, you see that since um, uh, they uh, are debating whether la cholin does that mean lehacholin or natcholin, la cholin that means that uh, seems that their pronunciation was actually like the Faradim, who do not uh, distinguish between patach and kames, unlike Ashkenazim, who pronounce kames kimesim as an o sound. Uh, also, Yemenites who pronounce the kames as an o sound, and no, instead they pronounce the kamatz gadol, an ah, the same as patach. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.